the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What are the priorities of your life? Do you have any laid out? Living for divine priorities. That will be the subject of our time today in the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Join us. From Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, we welcome you to this edition of Truth For Today. Pastor Phil Howard will take us to Matthew 6, verses 33 and 34, as we take a look at divine priorities and how we are called to live according to them, making sure them, or those priorities, are the things that matter the most, the things that have God in view, Christ in mind. Join us and be encouraged to live out your divine priorities. Here's Pastor Phil with today's broadcast. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew. As today, I'm going to speak to you living for divine priorities. And I want to read two verses to you, and then we'll get ready to scan the whole chapter. Listen to Matthew 6, 33. We've looked at God as a generous God. We looked last week at the danger of riches. They can be a lion that devours you. Uh, a water that drowns you. You just got to have the wisdom to know how to handle when God gives you possessions. But look at what Jesus says in what is said to be the greatest sermon, the most famous sermon in history, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. Um, listen to what he says in verse 33. But seek last... His kingdom, but, oh. but give what's left over to his kingdom. Give nothing to his kingdom. No, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Now, we'll have to find out what all these things are. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen? Look at Proverbs as a cross-reference. Proverbs chapter 3. It seems like Jesus and wisdom hang out together. Uh... Listen to this verse, chapter 3, verse uh, 9. Are you there? The Lord doesn't need to be honored with your wealth. Dishonor the Lord with your wealth. Did they ever dishonor him? You remember Malachi, they offered him the lame, the blind, the diseased. And he said, you're giving to me what you wouldn't give to your governor. 
You're giving to me that what you wouldn't give to your best friend. You're giving me the leftovers, that which you can't eat by the law. You're giving me that which is rubbish. He said, I wish you'd turn out the lights at the tabernacle and quit making it obnoxious to me. So here he says, honor the Lord with your wealth, uh, with the first fruits of all your crops. And you say, ooh, I'm off there. I don't have any crops. Well, let's translate it with whatever you got, whatever your wages are giving you, whatever income God gives you. Then your barns, and you're saying, what's it? Well, I've got, I don't have any barns. Do you have a bank account? You got to think a little, translate this. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. And your vats will brim with new wine. There's a theme I want to get over to you. And if you just remember the letter P, you might get it. God's promises... God promises his provision, his peace, his power, and his presence to those who seek his priorities. God doesn't want to prosper you to seek just your priorities. If you seek God's priorities, he guarantees you his provision. He guarantees you peace. He guarantees to you power guarantees to you provision he said but I must be your top priority I must be first in your life if I'm first you got it made other things will fall into place now let's look at Matthew chapter 5 Christ begins to unfold that the kingdom he is offering is greater than the rabbinical kingdom the Jews knew at that time. That it's going to be different. It's not going to be based upon external religious things, but it's going for the heart. You hunger for me in your heart. You admit your poverty of spirit. You're you're thirsting for God. And he goes through and he tells them, I want you to be salt and light. Uh, My righteousness is greater than that that the rabbis are teaching. They teach you, don't uh, commit adultery. I'm telling you, don't even think about it. See, the law would stone you if you did the act. Jesus is going back. Your Christian life is lived between your ears before you do anything. Uh, The law says, you know, don't kill. I'm saying don't hate. I'm going back to attitude. I'm going back to what you think about. You may not have the nerve to do half the crimes you want to do. But if you want to do them, you're getting credit for doing them in God's sight. What you're lusting after, God sees. What you hate, he sees. And he's going through here, and he said, murder? I don't want you doing that. Adultery? No. Divorce. Under the rabbis, you could divorce a woman for anything. All the power of divorce was in the hand of the man. If she, we have rabbinic literature. If you ever read Erdersheim, The Life of Christ, if she burnt the bread, he had grounds for divorce. I'm glad that has not applied in my marriage. We always have to remember the bread. I mean, over. And according to the law, it was over. You didn't need to go to a divorce court. It was over. 
The power was with the man. If you withhold your body, divorce. Anything. It, it was brutal. And of course, the women bore the brunt of such uh, rabbinic male-dominated theology. And Jesus said, hey, hey, you, you can't divorce a person just because you've got incompatible differences. We all have incompatible differences. That's why you get married, to work them out. And by the time you get them down, you'll be going to heaven. And the church that's married said, Amen. Amen. I just had a salesman, a young girl back in South Carolina. She said, are you married or happy? (laughs) Whoa, I'm not going to tell you where I went. Okay. And and so, uh, eye for an eye. You should not get vengeance. Don't take oaths. Love your enemies. Then he goes to chapter 6, and he said, If you have children of my kingdom, uh, I don't want you to be a hypocrite. I want you to be good to poor people, but I don't want you to blow a trumpet when you give something to the poor. Uh, Don't be in open meetings where I give a thousand. He doesn't want, he doesn't want that to be your motive. Hypocrisy comes from a Greek word to wear a mask, to play a role. Don't play religious activity. Don't try to look good. And it's real hard in church just to be who you are. It's real hard in the pulpit because everybody holds you on a pedestal or they can't stand you. And you try to match up to everybody. How about just being what you are, a safe sinner? We know every week people are critiquing preachers. And you know what I get? Carol and I have talked about this. I, I, I'll be amazed if any of you talk about the sermon one hour after I preach it. And you don't know what you heard the last two weeks. Because we're not chewing on the word, we're chewing on the preacher. We're saying what we like and don't like. Do you know what was said? That's the test. Well, I know what was said. You won't be changed by sermons. You'll be changed by God's voice. God talking to you. All right. We haven't got to the sermon, so don't get too quiet. You you have have no right to be that convicted. Let's keep going. He says... I need to teach my people how to pray. He picks up that verse 5. He said, I don't want you praying like the rabbis. And, and people that are saying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And just, 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 vain repetition. Vain repetition. Praying the prayer wheel like in Tibet. Going through the rosary. Repetition. Repetition. You know, the Bible never tells you how long you should pray. He never tells you how loud you should pray. He didn't tell you how emotionally. He said, pray. And what God's more interested in your prayer life is not the emotion or the length, but the categories you pray about. What do you pray about? And he said, let me teach you what to pray about. First thing you ought to be concerned when you pray is that I get to talk to my father. And I want to hallow him. I want to treat him as holy and say, you know what, Lord? I showed up because I want your kingdom first. I want your priorities first. I've come to talk about you first. Some people don't pray unless they do this. It's gotten so bad we started praying. It got that bad. What about it got so good I had to pray? I'm talking to a father. I'm going to my father. Uh, You know, I told the men yesterday, uh, 
the Lord told me to uh, ask my wife how I'd be a better husband, and I was a little shocked that she had some suggestions. <laughs> I thought she would just say, honey, you're the world's best. No, since you brought it up, let me tell you. And she's been sharing with me a little thing that she read in an article that said every marriage needs seven good hugs a day. Seven hugs a day. Think of that in your prayer life. Do you hug God seven times a day? Do you just tell him you love him? That, that he's there. Well, Jesus said, I've got to teach people to pray. You don't, you don't know how to pray when you get saved. You don't know how to pray. Uh, how many of you prayed today? Uh, give me daily bread. Now, they, daily bread then uh, was a... They, see, we've got Costco and second refrigerators. They depended every day on getting enough to get by. There was no meat in their diet. It was all grain. So they made what you would think of as a, uh, uh, like a tortilla or maybe think of pizza dough because they didn't have access to meat as a whole. Grapes, they'd get that. Figs and grain. And uh, talking about uh, praying for daily bread, have any of you ever had to pay, pray for daily bread? Let me read something to you. Uh, I was looking up something uh, in my sister. She wrote a book. And, and uh, I looked up something. And uh, anybody alive in um, 1936? Okay. Um, well, she's writing 1936. My folks came from Kansas to Visaya, California. And this is what Hazel writes. It's 1936. It was during this time mom and daddy were chopping cotton for 75 cents a day. Not an hour. A day. And by the time David came, they put him on the cotton sack and pulled him in the field because they couldn't afford babysitters. How many of you ever made 75 cents a day? Okay. So, my folks were considered... White trash that invaded California. That Strombach said, they're the grapes of wrath people. They had a sign that Ken Burns said over the theaters that they use a racial slur for black people. And they said, these black people and the racial slur and Okies said here. That's what California, good old liberal California thought about my people. We don't want you. We don't want you if you're from Alabama, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Virginia. Stay out of our state. You're white trash. You're grapes of wrath people. You don't bring anything but hunger. We don't want you. So they put the L.A. police down in Needles, California, and started charging them when they came over the border, and they had no cash. So she's writing of these people. She said... uh, I remember them saying how they would stop to rest for a minute, leaning on their hose and looking up at the snow-capped mountains of the Sierras and drinking in the beauty of their new home. Granny Pryor, David knows her, would see to Paul and me, and this continued for the summer. Get this now, get this. During that summer, Mama took a few cents of their pay and bought a new serving bowl from the five and ten store for a kitchen. 
She was so proud of that bowl. I can remember how happy I was because mama had got herself a new bowl. Remember she'd been forced to dispose of practically all of her things when they made the move. She only had one drum full of personal effects left in El Dorado, Kansas to be shipped when they could afford it. So this was mama's red letter day. She got a new bowl from the five and ten. Do you think those kind of people could pray for daily bread? Have any of you uh, nearly starved? He tells this story. Around nine years old, my dad was working in Washington. He'd go to Washington, Paducah. When the iron workers got rained out on the West Coast, he'd go to other states to work. There was uh, five of us at home. David was nine years old. My mother got a hold of him. David, you're kneeling with me in the front room. We have no food in this house. I'm not going to feed you unless God provides. Let's get on our knees. They pray. Talk to David after the service. Before they got up, the door knocked. The food was there. They fed our family for another week. Learn to pray daily for food. And don't become arrogant because you got three refrigerators and you got a Costco card. Remember where you came from, Israel. For when you get vineyards, you didn't plant. And wells, you didn't dig. You're going to forget me. We're battling against people who are prosperous in America. Who at the same time are forgetting God. Because poverty has a way of getting your attention. It did for thousands. Well, he wants to teach us to pray. Most of us don't know how. So you've got to attend the Jesus seminar. And he teaches us how to pray. Then he teaches us something else. It's a lost art. He taught us people how to fast. And I, I seldom meet a Christian that fasts anymore. I grew up with people that fasted and prayed. And, and Jesus said, you should do this fasting, not while I'm with you. But when I go back to heaven, I want you to fast and pray. When's the last time you lost a meal because you were pursuing God? Are you having weight problems? Um, then he goes into something after fasting. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Now this is right in the middle of his sermon. And this sure enough, see I got the red letter at this in this morning. This is Jesus talking. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's a great principle. Money, heart, they hang out together. Money, heart. If I see where you spend your money, I could tell you what you love or what's on your mind the most. Money, heart. Now Jesus said, wherever you put your treasure, your heart will follow. Okay. But it's heart, treasure. We spend our money. We spend our time. We spend our energy on the things that have captured our heart. Right? See, if you love it, you can justify the money for it. You find that? You're on a budget till you find something you want. Oh, got quiet. Uh, so where, then it says the eye, 
Why does he go to the optometry department? He's talking about treasure. Now he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. Okay. I mean, all light to the body comes through the eye gate. Okay. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Right. If I'm nearsighted, if I got cataracts, you know, if anything messes. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If, it, if in the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Is he talking about your eyes? No, no, the eyes is a Hebrew idiom for perspective, outlook. If your outlook is unhealthy, you won't see things right. Uh, outlook, prejudice, racism, uh, class uh, thing, the way we view people, the way we view, uh, some are negative, others are positive. Some are racist, and if you got the wrong pigmentation, and there is no wrong pigmentation, but in their worldview, there is. I can't stand. Oh, your eyes are unhealthy. You can't see right. Now, Jesus just talked about money. Now he's talking about your outlook. Now watch what he says. He didn't just start talking optometry off the cuff because Jesus is wondering. He said, how do you view things? Now watch what he says. No one can serve two masters. Hmm, this sounds like a contest. Either you will hate the one and love the other. Or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Wow. Lighten up, Jesus. Give us a few more alternatives. No, he said, it's one of two worlds I'm talking to you about. These are religious Jews listening out on the mount. Yeah, you, the way you view things, either God is first or money is. They can't both be first. Who's first in your world? Who's first? Now he said, let me give you a cure to the human disease called worry. And he's going to give you seven reasons why you should not worry. Are you interested? We save you a lot of money now. No more value. No more pills. This will cure you. I know. This will cure you more than a pill. Because when you wake up and the pill has lost its effect, you'll still be worried. Okay. Hold on. This crowd is so sleepy. See, you get ruined. You hear Matt, he's nice. Larry's nice. I expect antiphonal preaching. Get with it. Kind of nod heavy if you agree. If not, I'm going to go longer. No, you're going to be penalized. Okay, I want us to see seven reasons why he doesn't want us to worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Number one, I don't want you to worry about externals like food and clothing because I care about you. And you are more than what you wear and you are more than what you eat. I care about you. Your thinking, your well-being, your health. I think about every aspect, your future, your past. I care for you. I'm not preoccupied with your wardrobe and your diet. I'm, I first of all love you. 
I care about you. Well, as we come to the close of our time today, here on Truth For Today, we would leave you with our address and phone number in the event you'd like to reach out to us. Maybe you have a question about today's program, a question about your own relationship with Christ. Maybe you'd like to review today's message or any past message here on Truth For Today. Reach out to us at truthfortodayradio.org online or call. The phone number is 855 855- 833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. And one other thought to consider as we conclude our time together today, we know that the challenging times we live in make for rather challenging growth opportunities in Christ. And if this broadcast is helping you in your walk and relationship with Christ, would you consider partnering with us financially and prayerfully? Again, these are very challenging times since ministries all over the world are actually suffering and they are being challenged as to how to continue ministering the gospel of Christ. And truth for today is no different. If you consider this broadcast a blessing to you, would you consider being a blessing to us? 100% of your donation is tax deductible, and it goes right back into the radio ministry, whether it's a one-time gift, a monthly gift, small or large, it all makes a huge difference. And your prayers and requests to the Lord about the continuation of Truth For Today are even more appreciated. Reach out to us at truthfortodayradio.org or, again, call 855 833 9864. Or you can write out a check and address your envelope to 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, may Christ be your truth for today. Blessed be the name.